Welcome to WTBU News Today, I'm Melandronico, and here for a quick weather report, Boston saw a glimpse of spring on Tuesday with temps getting into the 40s and misty air across the city, but things later returned to a typical winter at around 25 degrees yesterday. Temperatures today are expected to reach a high of 28 and a low of 26, with a bit of snow today and tomorrow to close out the work week. Now we'll move into the Boston University COVID-19 dashboard update. On February 16th, 10 members of the Boston University community tested positive for COVID-19. Seven of them were students, while three were employees. That's a three-student increase in positivity after a three-day streak of just four students each day testing positive. For the week of February 10th to February 16th, 0.14% of tested students were deemed positive for the coronavirus, alongside 0.16% of tested staff. On average, BU's lab took 16.1 hours to process each test. 64 students are currently in isolation, and 900 students have recovered from the disease. Sarah Weinberg is here now for an update on Boston University's Fitness and Recreation Center. Club sports are scheduled to resume at the FitRec this Friday. FitRec reopened on February 12th to all full-time students for physically distanced workouts. To minimize possible infections, BU made the decision to hold all intramural sports online for the spring semester. To avoid the risk of a COVID outbreak from team sports, BU outlined protocols that sports teams must follow, including the wearing of masks and frequent sanitization when at FitRec. Like last semester, FitRec is operating at 40% capacity. Students interested in visiting FitRec can book a 90-minute time slot on the FitRec's website and must present their BUID and green badge to gain entrance. In accordance with BU's COVID guidelines, students in the FitRec will be physically distanced. Masks will be required for all students except those who are lap swimming. According to the BU COVID dashboard, COVID cases among the BU community started rising last November, and there were 10 reported positive cases among the BU student body on February 16th. The FitRec has chosen to reopen despite these numbers, and as of now, the FitRec has not stated whether or not they plan to close if cases continue to rise. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Sarah Weinberg for WTBU News. Joining us now is Megan Forsyth for a story out of Boston. Minority groups in Massachusetts filed a federal discrimination complaint against the city of Boston on Wednesday. The complaint alleges that the city's contracting system has discriminated against minority-owned businesses. This is a result of a recent city study that found from 2014-2019 only 1.2% of the city's almost $2.2 billion in public contracts went to Black and Latino-owned businesses. According to their statement, quote, the stark racial disparities over which the city has direct control demonstrate deliberate and intentional discrimination against Black and Latinx-owned businesses on the part of the city, end quote. A spokesperson for Boston Mayor Marty Walsh said that the mayor plans to initiate action to find the root cause of this issue, but so far has not responded to the filed complaint. I'm Megan Forsyth, reporting from Orange County, California. And now we'll head over to Dee Dee Hoyt, reporting on the recent passing of a radio personality. Rush Limbaugh, a conservative radio host, died on Wednesday from complications with lung cancer at 70 years old. He was a vehement supporter of Trump throughout his four years and a strong critic of Obama and Democrats. He first announced his lung cancer last February. Around election day, after hosting Trump on air, he announced that his cancer had gotten worse. 
Throughout the course of his career, he was heard regularly by as many as 15 million people. During Obama's presidency, he was seen more as an aimless critic by the Republican Party, but once Trump won the presidency in 2016, he was elevated to a more leading role among Republicans. Limbaugh supported many of Trump's actions, like the Muslim travel ban, rise of military spending, and anti-environmentalist policies, among others. He was a staunch critic of the environmentalist movement, feminists, and homeless advocates. He is survived by his wife, Catherine, and leaves behind an oceanfront mansion. From Washington, D.C., I'm Didi Hoyt for WTBU News. Next, a story out of the White House from Lainey Broussard. Today's number of the day is $1.6 billion, because that is how much money is expected to go towards increasing coronavirus testing and sequencing, as stated by the Biden administration on Wednesday. The $1.6 billion will be divided up among key areas of need, officials said. Roughly $650 million will go towards expanding testing in K-8 schools and underserved locations. About $815 million will go towards addressing shortages in testing supplies, and nearly $200 million will go towards assisting with the nation's genetic sequencing efforts to track new variants of the COVID-19 virus. This news comes as a number of new cases reported in the United States has fallen 23.7% in the past week, according to the World Health Organization. Many experts believe that this recent trend in declining U.S. cases can be linked to the quickening pace of coronavirus vaccine administration. In addition to vaccine distributions, the natural seasonal ebb of respiratory viruses has contributed to the witness decline as well. And that was Lainey Broussard for WTBU News. And finally, an update from Varsha Subramanian about a shooting in Nigeria. A student was shot dead in Nigeria by an unidentified gunman who attacked a boarding school in north-central Nigerian state of Niger on Wednesday. At least 42 people, including 27 students of the government science secondary school, were kidnapped after the gunman entered the premise at around 2 a.m. According to witnesses, the man was wearing a military uniform and told students not to run when rounding them up. This attack follows one that took place two months ago when assailants kidnapped 350 students from a secondary school in northwestern Katsina, who were later rescued by authorities. The group responsible for Wednesday's attack has not been confirmed. Abductions from schools are common in Nigeria, especially by groups like Boko Haram. More than 300 students still remain missing from past abductions. In Dubai, UAE, I'm Varsha Subramanian for WTBU News. That's it for this edition of WTBU News Today. Be sure to tune in to our full program every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern over on WTBU Radio, including later tonight. On behalf of Varsha Subramanian, Alex Corey, Megan Gregoire, Stella Lawrence, and Gabriela Lopez, I'm Will Andronico, reporting from Boston, Massachusetts, for WTBU News.